Welcome to the Undercurrent Podcast. I'm your host, Liana Lumawig, life coach, surfer, and ex-corporate girl living in Bali. I've been in unfulfilling jobs and relationships that used to drain my energy and confidence to the point where I was miserable. If you can relate, this podcast is for you. I'm here to tell you that you don't have to stay stuck and settle for anything less than what makes you happy. You can choose how to work, love, and live on your terms. And this podcast will show you how. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Undercurrent Podcast. I have here with me Andrea Cabrera-Jacks. She's a licensed clinical social worker based out in California. And we haven't formally met, we haven't met in person, but we've been following each other on Instagram for a while, and I just love her work. Um, She focuses on people from the BIPOC community, and I just love seeing more people representing for people in for marginalized communities. So welcome, Andrea. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. Your Instagram handle is Wellness with Andrea J. Will you tell me about what wellness is and what your journey to wellness has been like? Yeah, for sure. Great question. Yeah. So wellness, this is like really the act of practicing healthy habits on a daily basis to better attain a physical and mental health outcomes. Okay. So instead of surviving, you're really like thriving. In wellness, there's this eight dimensions of wellness from the National Institute of Health. So there's physical wellness emotional wellness, occupational wellness, spiritual wellness, environmental wellness, financial wellness, social wellness, intellectual wellness. So those different eight dimensions of wellness. And for you to figure out like which kind of dimensions do I need to work on? Which dimension do I need in my life to feel well? So that's kind of like the basis of it. So that's how I built my practice. That's why it's called Wellness with Andrea Jackson and Associates. Because I'm just so big. I, when I encountered this, it just really attracted me. Like I want to teach people all these different tools to be spiritually well or physically well. And for me, my own wellness journey, I believe it started when I was 13. Like I was a little chubby kid back then. And I didn't know what wellness was, but I was like, you know what? I want to lose weight. I want to eat healthy. So I started practicing physical wellness of like not having meals after 6 p.m. and exercising. Um, And then fast forward for my mental wellness was I lost my dad suddenly of a heart attack. And for some reason, I was like, let me go to therapy. Let me go to the student counseling center. That was like my first experience with psychotherapy. And then luckily with my college degree, got my master's degree, I found a career that I enjoy. So I'm practicing occupational wellness by being a psychotherapist, um, working a lot with the BIPOC community. And then for my intellectual wellness, it's kind of on and off. Like for my intellectual wellness, I like to read books. And I know when I'm not reading books, I feel kind of off. So it's like really practicing that habit that I need to read to kind of be well. What kind of books do you like to read? I'm lately been reading, um, I don't know if you watch Selling Sunset. <laughs> okay, so it's a Netflix documentary about real estate agents um, here in California. And I'm just inspired by like powerful women. So I just finished reading her book. Um, it's, her name's Chriselle Staus. It's about under construction. 
Um, it's called Under Construction. It's just about her experience in the real estate community. And I, I'm kind of interested in real estate too. So I just wanted to explore that. Yeah. So it's like intersection between like powerful women and other interests. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So I'm reading that. And then for my spiritual wellness, like I'm still working on it, still trying to work on my faith. I am Catholic. I'm Filipino. I do go to church every Sunday, but it's just, I think that practicing of trying to read more, I do listen to Joel Osteen too, like her, his podcast. So I think that's really helping me spiritually. So I think really just finding that balance in me, like sometimes I might get off track with my habit, with like the physical wellness part, like I have my sweet tooth every now and then. <laughs> so I was like, wait, I need to stop that. So it's really about picking those healthy habits. That's been an ongoing journey for me. Great. So there's all of these things that we kind of need to balance in order for us to be well, like optimally, right? Yeah. Do people ever get overwhelmed, right? There's so many things to balance. How do we maintain this, you know, homeostasis of health and wellness and not get overwhelmed by it? Yeah, I, know. I mean, that's the tough one, right? Because sometimes work, the occupational stuff, like consumed us. Yes. And for you, I think just setting, realizing that, being aware, maybe people are pointing it out to you. Maybe your husband's like, honey, you're working too much. You got to set boundaries. Right. So I think that lack of that awareness and being mm -hmm. able to kind of like, wait, let me shift. Let me make some changes in my life. Let me not work as long as I used to. Right. So you kind of have to allow yourself to get off balance in order for you to become aware sometimes, right? You don't need to be perfectionist about it. No, no. It just mm -hmm. happens, you know. Sometimes we just kind of get off balance. We pick up unhealthy habits every now and then, fall off the wagon. Life happens. Right. Just kind of pushing, pulling yourself back up. What happens when there are too many things that are off balance? Like, where do you start? Like, how do you know where to start when it feels like everything is like very poor? Yeah, no, that's a good question. And maybe that's when you go to therapy to kind of get a professional help, a therapist or a coach, really ask that support, like help me get my shit together practically. So you mentioned that uh, you became a licensed clinical social worker. And is this because of your childhood? Well, I guess so. Yeah, I would say so. Some of my loved ones struggle with their own mental health issue. And I remember growing up just my mom mentioning to me that this person's just sick. And I didn't know what it was till later on, I realized that it was like a mental health condition. Mm -hmm. And then part of it too is, um, so my family, we have a family business of like a home for mentally ill adults. And I managed it after I graduated from college. I got my BA in communication and I was doing the operation marketing side. And before you know it, the clients would come up to me and talk to me about their problems. And so I was like, okay, might as well get paid to do this even more, like be a therapist. Yeah. And then just through that work too, I got to go to different psychiatric hospitals, interviewing patients that would be placed in, in the home. Um, so I got to learn more about social work. I met social workers there and I just became curious and I got my master's in social work. I did a part-time program for three years at the University of Southern California. So fight on to any Trojans here. <laughs> yeah. And then got my license, I think, after three years working in community mental health. Because um, you had to gain hours 
um, to get your to qualify to apply for the licensure exam. Took the test, passed it, and yeah, became licensed clinical social worker. Okay, so that was kind of you know like you had your own struggles personally, but you also had a family business where this you were exposed to um, the people who you know need people like you, mm-hmm. and it was you know, people were gravitating towards you and talking with you about their, you know, challenges and things. Um, Would you say that these are people that were part of the BIPOC community or was it a range of people? Yeah, I would say it was a range of people. Yeah, maybe a smaller portion of the BIPOC community that we were serving in in our family business. Okay. Yeah, because we're talking about like your mom was telling you about people who were not well. I was thinking about the Filipino community in particular. And I know that I've had conversations with my family and the idea of going to therapy is kind of like a a negative one. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that. And if you know why that is. Yeah, for sure. No, it's, I think, this whole stigma, I mean, it sucks, but the stigma does exist in the community. Like the stigma saying like, oh, people go to therapy because they're crazy, mm-hmm. right? That's right. the first thing that they you think of. And I think it's that lack of knowledge that people have, like what you can go to therapy for. Like some people don't know that you can go to therapy for relationship issues, for grief, um, work stress, even simple things like that. You can go to therapy. Um, I think most people in our community go to therapy when they're really like at that really worst condition Mm -hmm. at times. Right. Too. So I think it's just overall that, that stigma that's being perpetuated in the community and that lack of knowledge to what's going on. Knowing what you know as a therapist and also being part of the Filipino community or BIPA community, um, what could you like, if you wanted to suggest going to therapy while also kind of breaking down the stigma, what could you say to a loved one if they are struggling, but they still also have this negative stigma towards getting help in this way? Yeah. I think what you can do is like notice how they've been behaving or like the symptoms of possible depression or something that's going on. Like you seem like you're not yourself lately. I see you're drinking a lot more than usual. They're sleeping a lot more. Like, I'm, I'm really concerned about you. You know, I, I care about you. I, I think you should talk to someone. Kind of being really frank and noticing what's going on, what's not right with them anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think also keeping in mind that you may say that, but that person may not be responsive to that too. Yeah. That person needs to be open to it. Right. Like, so just keeping that in mind too. Right. Yeah, you can say it with the best intention, with the best care, but at the same time, you know, you also got to expect people to get defensive or just not be open, not be receptive, like you said. Yeah. When I saw your Instagram, I was like, yes, there's a, you know, there's another woman, another Filipino woman who's doing work in like personal growth and mental health. And I didn't see a lot of that in the past. And I'm seeing more and more these days. Um, And I've sought out therapists who are specifically Filipino women and women of color. And I want to ask you, like, what do you think is important about having 
representation in the Filipino community or BIPOC community in the mental health space? Sure, yeah. Well, I think it's just someone looking like you can feel, make a person more feel at ease and like they don't have to explain things to me. Like, why is Tita making a comment about my weight during the holidays, right? Like, it, or it's already part of our culture, unfortunately, that toxic side. Or like me pointing out to my clients, oh, sounds like that's like utang the kind of like, you know, that's manifesting there. So it's like that immediate connection right away. Like, if you're Filipino, I'm Filipino. Like, we already have that foundation and that connection. Um, that people really seek you out or seek me out because they don't have to explain that cultural perspective of it. Right. Okay. So you brought up this idea of utang nalaob. I don't speak Tagalog (laughs) and I feel like I totally just botched my accent here as well. And, you know, for people who don't know what that concept is, it's, it's just like owing people. Yeah. The concept of eternal debt to others, family or friends say more about that yeah yeah like maybe saying that like oh your dad raised you like he paid for your school he provided a home for you so you better have for dad for raising you that kind of thing but the, the struggle with that is where does it end right right so it's just this never-ending feeling of debt right to not just your parents but other people as well yeah, to other people too. Like if you did me a favor, if I maybe, I don't know, paid for your medical bills when you were struggling. Right. Now you have utang for that person too. You owe me. Yeah. What is the impact that it has um, on our mental health when you kind of walk around life feeling that weight? Yeah, I think it's like the stress and pressure kind of always given to that people, either financial stress or that support, like I got to be there, even though maybe you're, you don't have time to be there, but that feeling that debt that like, oh, I got to show up for this person because this person was there for me when I needed him the most. Right. So there's this should. Yeah, exactly. I imagine it. And I feel like I'm like, this is me as well. Like, I feel like I, I have to do things for other people and I stop living for myself. I stop doing the things that I need to do for myself, or I don't take self-care days because I feel like I got to do things Mm -hmm. to make people happy. Yeah. Got it. Like we lose sight of like what we want because we're always so focused on like kind of a little bit like people pleasing or like making sure that that person knows how we feel, like how we're grateful for them for what they did for us, or even at work, like maybe overworking at times because this job is really good to me. Right. Are these common behaviors like overworking and people pleasing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it can happen. I've talked to a lot of people, uh, you know, um, recently about this and it just seems so common. It seems like it's just baked into culture of of doing that, like self-sacrificing, doing things because you think you should, and really losing the self-awareness, right? Mm-hmm. Losing what you need to do for yourself. Yeah, for sure. It's like losing that voice, like what do you want to do instead of the should statement? You know, and I've gone down this path as well. Like I sometimes when I do have free time, I'm like, what the hell do I do with my time? You know? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Should I be doing something? Should I be somewhere? Right? It, it feels so foreign after a while um, because I've practiced so much, you know, mm-hmm. uh, doing things for other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's what I've seen too in our, our practice, in my practice too. There's a lot of Filipinos kind of overextending themselves to family, volunteer work, uh, or the companies that they work for, um, even working sometimes when they're supposed to be on vacation or sick. Yeah. So they get burnt out or it's just like too much that they do that their mental health suffers because of that. Yeah. And it's hard even on your own to stand up for yourself, right? There's also... And, and I think this is in Filipino culture and even outside as well, but like where other people actually put the pressure on you, right? Like you should go out. Like I remember not wanting to go out and my girlfriend was like, nah, it's girls night out. You have to go. And I'm like, okay, right? So I get that external pressure of having to be somewhere because of someone else adding that pressure on me. Yeah. And also I think in our culture, it's like that family expectations too. hmm it's like another layer to that too. Yeah. Like you should be paying the bill because you're the oldest one. You're making the most money kind of thing. Or you should be taking your cousins out because they're visiting and maybe you should pay the bill too. <laughs> right? right. Yeah. Yeah. How do you counsel people who are kind of in this position of wanting to live their life true to themselves in a way that takes care of their mental health in a way that gives them a healthy sense of self um, while also trying to manage family relationships or work relationships or, or whatever and, and feeling kind of this struggle between managing it all. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good question. I think it's just really going down deep again to like what they want to do. Like if you were to like go of that should statement again, really deep down, what do you want to do? Are you listening to that voice? Are you listening to mommy's voice or friend's voice? So really trying to shut off that voice um, and creating that boundaries. I think in the Filipino culture, sometimes boundaries is lacking. Yeah. Um, And so just being able to create and establish that boundaries with people, which mom may not like, but it's for your own mental health. Yeah. So I think just starting that and practicing and sometimes reinforcing it too. Like I said, no, I'm not, I said, no, please listen. Okay. I'll say no again. Yeah. Sometimes it takes that second time. Right. For people to really hear you. And being okay too with like when they don't like when you set boundary, like I feel guilty, I'm not sure, so I'm gonna give in. But you really gotta find your voice. Yeah, when you say that, I kind of get like I have a reaction in my body. I'm like, that's boundaries in Filipino culture. No, that's that's not it's not a thing. You know, you have a duty, especially being children of immigrants. It's like. They brought you here. They sacrificed so much. And, you know, now you have boundaries. Like, now you need self-care. That's selfish, right? Yeah. For sure. All these familiar expectations that's so embedded in our culture that's impacting our mental health and everything else. Yeah. There's this, yeah, there's this idea of 
you know, that owing, right? And when other generations feel like they had it harder, mm-hmm. right? Other parents are like, you know, from, from older generations are like, look, you know, you should have seen me when I was a kid. I didn't have that much, you know, and they send the message to you that you have so much more. Are you weaker because you need more things? Like, how do you respond to that? Or how do you manage through that? Yeah, no, it's a tough one. The comparison that our parents or loved ones sometimes do Mm -hmm. to us. And I think it's just really talking to your mom and really finding that voice, like having that discussion, like, mom, it's really not the same. Like, I understand, like you went through that, but it's totally different here in, in the United States. Like things are different now. We have social media, you know, you didn't have to deal with insecurities like what I'm feeling now. So it's just kind of proving your point with your parents too. And really having that conversation even, and I know that's sometimes tough too, because sometimes parents are not open-minded. Yeah. So I think that's the struggle too. But I think having those tough dialogue with family members is so crucial too. Yeah. And I know that talking with a lot of older generations is difficult too, because a lot of the time, you know, they didn't have conversations with their parents about anything, right? Money, sex, or anything hard. It would always just be kind of swept underneath the rug. So if they're not willing to talk, I guess you would have to just be in a place of just accepting that you just can't have these types of conversations and you can't connect with them in the way that you you would like to. Yeah, I know. And that's a tough part too, that acceptance that maybe dad and mom are never going to change or that I mean, it, it sucks, but sometimes we just have to accept because there's really see no change in that person. Yeah, thanks. You were talking about like social media and having insecurity. And I'm reflecting sometimes about how my life feels a lot faster. It feels a lot, you know, especially when I started working and started being on my devices more, it feels like there was a lot more stress and more anxiety and I would get into modes of depression sometimes. Would you say that is increasing for a lot of people, like having more of this stress in their lives and where is it coming from? Yeah, no, especially in, in teens, um, we're all over social media. Um, I think it's the comparison that everyone is doing right? Kind of like, God, oh, they're living a great, better life than I am. I don't have this, what we do, right? Yeah. And sometimes you forget that people are just posting all the nice things in social media. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it just goes to that mode and we get so addicted to it and stop. It's created for us to stay on it too. Mm-hmm. So there's that addiction that people are now having that it's hard to log off. So it's definitely impacting you. Like how many times do you spend in social media? An hour, two hours, <laughs> or you could be practicing those long practices, right? Yes, right. So what you're saying is you're going on, on this app that's just designed to keep you there, which also is a place that is just, you know, it's a comparison trap, right? Exactly. Or like a FOMO trap missing out. Your friend went to a party. Wait, I didn't get invited or something. Right. So this 
like being on social media is really bad for your mental health if you don't practice self-care to counteract all of the comparison, all of the FOMO that could happen to everyone because we're human. Yeah, for sure. And if you don't limit your time in it too. Yeah. Like, there, I mean, there's some good aspects to it too, like connecting with family members. For yeah, look at us. <laughs> yeah, there you go, right? Yeah. But it comes to that point where it's just like, ah, too much. You got to live your life. You got to get off, drop the phone. Yeah. And it's so hard to see, right? Like with addictions, and you obviously know more about addictions than I do, but being on there, it's hard for you to get back to your voice. It's hard for you to get back to what is true, what it is that you really want when you're in this kind of like, what is it, this under the spell of social media? For sure. No, you're so distracted. You're doom scrolling, as they say, kind of just going through it, numbing the pain, whatever you're feeling. Yeah. Do you have any practices for people to manage the scrolling? Because I also know that in talking to some clients, not only is it affecting their mental health in the way of what you're saying, like comparison and FOMO, but it's also affecting their sleep, right? You're scrolling at night and you have this screen on, so you're sleeping much later. And I experienced that too. And I'm like, what am I doing? (laughs) No, exactly. Yeah. No, and me too. I mean, I struggle too sometimes. I was like, wait, I'm over my limit. Because I know sometimes in the iPhone, there's a limit, but we still hit it, right? Yeah, yeah. I set a limit myself. And I'm like, okay, good to know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What I do and what I tell my clients is literally put your phone in a different room or put it in a cabinet where you don't see your phone. Yeah. Or you're off there, or maybe you have to go back into the old school alarm clock and not use your phone as an alarm. Right. Yeah, definitely. So you don't use it the first thing you wake up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are really good tips. I mean, I do that as well. And sometimes um, I keep it in airplane mode until I'm done with my morning routine. And it's a, such a difference, I notice. For sure. Or completely deleting the app too and just using it while you're on your laptop. Yeah, that's a good one as well. Great tips. Yeah, you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) When people come to work with you, what are some of the things that they're struggling with and that you guys work on together? Yeah. So I specialize in depression, anxiety, grief and loss, trauma, um, and then relationship issues. So a variety of things, maybe someone who's going through a divorce or a recent breakup. So just really trying to pick up the pieces or sitting with that sadness and grief of that eight-year marriage and having to adjust and dealing with the lawyers and back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a tough part. Or it might be the abuse that happened, you know, that child abuse that spanking or that belt hit by our tatai, the parent, and then kind of having that forgiveness or kind of that acceptance that that happened to you. Um, Or or maybe now that client may be dealing with anger issues too, because that's what he learned from his dad. So it's just kind of unlearning that, um, working on their anger too. Um, getting some tools, that mindfulness of like 
How does my anger look like? What can I do to cope with it? Right. Or sometimes would work too. The stress of work. How do I deal in a toxic environment? Mm-hmm. How do I deal with my boss? Um, so really a variety of issues. That's why I like my job. I don't, sometimes I don't know what I'm getting this day. <laughs> like what's showing up today? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So really that variety of what I do or just sometimes just grief, you know, losing a father. Yeah. It's so tough. And just sitting with them and crying it out. And some of these things people struggle with, they think is normal. They think, oh, you know, everybody has their struggles or they power through because, yeah, everybody's got problems, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what can processing through them with someone like you, like how can that change their life? Yeah, I think especially with like, let's say child abuse or sexual abuse, I think for some of these people, they've never talked about it. Right. Yeah. But I think it's like first it's just speaking about it and letting it out out in the open so that can be powerful yeah what does that do for them yeah just processing just you see them kind of just feeling that releasing that weight off because sometimes too with trauma it gets stuck in our brain okay and just processing it with, with someone I do this thing called brain spotting just unlocking that trauma in that brain so that's not part of their body anymore right and then just really learning how to cope with it, coping with their triggers too, and dealing with how to manage that. Mm-hmm. So it's just giving them a space to kind of talk to someone about things they've never talked to someone before, having a new perspective to the way they see things, maybe see things differently, suddenly finding their voice again, that's been shut down for so long. Mom never listened. Dad never listened to me. My boss is not listening to me. So helping them reclaim that power again and that voice. Yeah, that's really important, right? Because you're able to express your true self without having these triggers hinder you, without having this trauma response where you're just like frozen or reactive. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's just really learning how to control yourself and regulate better as a human being. Yeah, that's powerful. So you work one-on-one with people, but I also saw on your site that you do like talks and workshops and all of these different topics. Mm -hmm, For sure. Yeah. And uh, on your recent Instagram post, it said that you're uh, doing a workshop on colorism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a topic that I'm hearing more and more of, and I've been seeing it on TV and things. Yeah. And I'm just curious about it. Like what is that all about and where does it come from? Yeah, for sure, for sure. So I do this this year, it's called Magusa Monday. Um, so I'm a co-host. Okay, so Talk Monday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Talk Monday, yeah. Like I co-host with my colleague Eddie and, and Jenny and we're having Pauline and she's gonna be the one presenting and, and colorism. Um, it's basically a, the preference for like the white race or the white skin tone race compared to the d- darker ones in our community, in the Filipino community. And it came from, cause you know, the invasion of the Spaniards, the Japanese, Americans in the Philippines. So that kind of perpetuated that over years and years of colonialism mm. 
Um, and then you see it in like the Philippine media. Right. A lot, a lot of white skin celebrities there, a lot of whitening products. Yeah. So Pauline's going to talk more about it. I'll, I'll just give you a brief info about it because I'd like people to join that discussion. Yeah. Great. It's a Monday that we have, and, and you can go to my Instagram for the info with that at wellness with Andrea J. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, people are listening and they want to connect with you or do more work with you or, or work with you, um, how can they reach you? Yeah. So you can go to my website. It's wellnesswithandreajax.com. Jax is J-A-K-U-C-S. I like to always spell it out because it's a different last name, but you can go there. You can book an appointment, a free consultation appointment. And we can from there. And my contact is info there is there wellnesswithandreaj at gmail.com. Perfect. Awesome. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Undercurrent Podcast. If we're not yet connected on Instagram, give me a follow at Liana Lumawig and at the Undercurrent Podcast. For more tips on how to design your life on your terms, or if you'd like to reach out, visit lianalumawi.com, or you can always DM me on Instagram at The Undercurrent Podcast. Take care, my friends, and see you next week. Bye.